0: Of the World Wrestling Federation. I knew all along that you two were together. Kane and The Undertaker together are an unbeatable force. At SummerSlam, I will take what is rightfully mine. I'm gonna burn your ass, and that's the bottom line. Costas, Stone Cold, Santino. How in the hell does one man, even a Steve Austin, turn back the challenge of these two? Before this night ends, you will come face to face with your destiny. With Kane at your side, you will be the World Wrestling Federation champion once again at SummerSlam.
1: Welcome to another episode of the Retro Wrestling Podcast. I'm intern Alex, joined as always by... The one and only, the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young. And Patrick, it's been a very big week... In the world of professional wrestling, but tonight we're recording on the 19th of May, which means it's Money in the Bank 2019, so let's quickly run down the cards and get your prediction of Money in the Bank. We start with the tag team match for nothing. Daniel Bryan and Rowan taking on the Usos. Uh, Daniel Bryan and Rowan have the SmackDown belts, but this is a cross-promotional match. Bryan and Rowan. Of course. Why would the champs lose to team from Raw this exactly. match makes zero sense this is on the pre-show by the way we have Tony Nese and Divari. Oh, uh, I love this going for one of the
2: biggest matches in Wrestlemania this past year and we're bumping him all the way back down to the
1: pre-show wow I didn't even think about that that's There you go. Life comes at you fast. (laughs) It does. He probably would have had the rematch with Kofi, but they thought he was injured, and then he got cleared, but got cleared so late in the game that this is just something to do. Yeah. Davari and Tony Nese for the Cruiserweight Championship. I'm going to say Tony Nese retains. I have no basis for any of that yeah i'm just gonna go with you on that one samoa joe and Rey mysterio right of course the battle for dominic's love and affection here right oh you're gonna say ray up in samoa joe i think samoa joe will retain really and i think we're gonna get one more match out of this and i think dominic's heel turn is is on its way do you now i do i'm going with Rey, so we're gonna split there well this card's all out of order here but anyway We have Kofi Kingston defending the WWE Championship against Kevin Owens. Kofi. I do believe Kofi retains. Do you see a cash in attempt on Kofi after the match? Absolutely. I actually don't think there will be a cash in attempt on Kofi. I don't think so. Not tonight. Not a successful
2: one. Depending on who wins, let me put it that way. Okay. Can you imagine the much, so much fucking heat that they're going to get with the fans if they try it? Or if they actually do screw him and he loses the belt tonight and he's chasing it all the way back to SummerSlam.
1: I think you'll have a tease of a cash in on Kofi Kingston. I think that my pick for that men's money in the bank match will try to cash in, but ultimately choose to keep the briefcase. Like, one of those a tease. Oh, gotcha. I'm in. with you. I think that's the more likely scenario. Or it could it could be for the Universal title. Yeah, I actually, I don't see that happening so much for the Universal title, but we'll see. We have The Miz and Shane McMahon in a steel cage match. As you know, there's no way to escape a steel cage match. These two, they're locked in. There's no way out. You can only climb over the you top. You can only <laughs> climb over the top, or just walk through a door or just go through the side of it or just start brawling before you ever get in the cage this match will have lots of bells and whistles Shane will be jumping off something very very tall. Oh Shane's going to the top of the cage and jumping. But I do believe that this is where Miz finally gets his retribution and this I is do the, the end of the feud yeah. and babyface Miz is very strange to me that Really? Just he's a heel man. He is a he, he. still dresses like a heel. He still sort of talks like a heel. He still acts like a heel Yes, but only in this feud is he a babyface. Because, because everybody Miz. hates Shane that fucking bad. Unless they are pushing Shane, I could see Shane being in a prominent role. Oh, dude. So,
2: Do you know how cool it would be if they would build him up? Kind of like. He is the best in the world, Patrick. Well, I'm just saying, to build him up to be like a main event, just a fuck
1: finish main event. For a title or something. We have Becky Lynch versus Charlotte Flair for the SmackDown Women's Championship. Charlotte. I think Charlotte, but I think that someone cashes in on Charlotte. Whoever wins this match, I think, is where a cash in will occur. And I think this is going to be the one cash in of the night. And I think that because they need to get Becky to Raw and they need to get the SmackDown belt away from her. But. She could retain. They are doing one of those profile pieces on her after the show, so it'd be really weird to have her lose and then be like, oh, hey, Becky Two Belts is now Becky No Belts. Oh, yeah, and here's a profile on (laughs) Becky Lynch, our top women's star. (laughs) Our top star who just lost everything. Uh, So I think this is where the cash-in will occur on either the men's or the women's side. Roman Reigns versus Elias. This should take about three minutes. Uh, Roman. Uh, yes, Roman Reigns should go over Elias quite easily. Then we have the women's Money in the Bank ladder match. Natalia taking on Dana Brooke, Naomi, Bailey, Mandy Rose, Ember Moon, Carmella, and Nikki Cross, who is subbing in for Alexa Bliss, who has not been cleared to compete. So, okay, this is my bitch.
2: You let her in, she does matches on Raw, you let her out. She's back in. She does a couple more matches on Raw, she's back. They
1: can't figure out if she can compete or not.
2: What the fuck? She looks to be doing just fine and dandy on Raw,
1: the matches she's had. Due to the danger of this match, I think they would just want to preserve her. Better safe than sorry. That she is so fragile, but she's important to the company that just keep her out of a high risk match like a ladder match. That's the only thing I can figure out. Because I, I just don't understand. But they obviously have very big plans for her. When she does come back in the ring and probably becomes champion again. She's I mean, what kind of matches are, is she's going to have Goldberg squash matches, which is kind of unbelievable for yeah. her. Yeah. Well, to be only like 4 foot 9 or whatever she is. Her wrestling has improved since she started, but she's still not on the level of the, the top women really? stars in my opinion. I think she's extremely talented. She's pretty good, but I still think that she's I- just a step below. Wow. I don't think that she's in the bottom of the basement Damn, with the iconics. we definitely
2: separate them, because I think she's one of the top best they got right now. And that's
1: not just popularity, that's ring work as well. Well, I, I I don't know what they're doing with her, but who is your pick to win the Women's Money in the Bank match, who would presumably, in my opinion, be cashing in on the SmackDown title? Oh, she wants all the gold. I mean, she is gold. Mandy Rose. That's actually my pick, is... uh. I would pick Mandy Rose as well because they've really been pushing her on SmackDown. Sonya Deville gave up her spot to get her in there. Yeah. And I think they want that dynamic of Charlotte Flair, the athlete, the, the premier athlete going against a diva type. Yeah, And I think
2: that's... Mandy Rose is the closest thing to a diva kind of like Trish Stratus or Stacey Keebler or Tory Wilson that we have right now and they're wanting to play on that for attitude purposes to get the Fox thing working working in their favor
1: It would also turn Charlotte into a baby face. It would. If indeed it's going to be someone from SmackDown. I don't think Natty is going to take it. They could surprise me and have Dana Brooke
2: take it. See, that, that would be my second pick, actually, because she's been the dark horse out of nowhere that has kind of stepped up, this is how it's going to be kind of thing.
1: Yeah, I haven't watched a lot of Raw recently, but I know that she's been getting more TV time and stuff, so... If it's not Mandy Rose, I would probably say Dana Brooke. That's where we, we're on the same page. Now it's the men's Money in the Bank ladder match. Sami Zayn taking on Ricochet. Sami Zayn taking Braun Strowman's spot in this match. So Sami Zayn, Ricochet, Drew McIntyre, Baron Corbin, Mustafa Ali, Finn Balor, Andrade, and Randy Orton. While my pick is easy, I think I would go with Andrade here because him and Zelina Vega and the briefcase just make sense to me to have on SmackDown. As
2: bad as I hate to say it, I'm with you. Because I just don't... He hasn't impressed me, man.
1: Oh, dude, I love him. I love really? his work that he's done. Especially from when he started in NXT. He, started, he came in as a babyface wearing overalls, a stupid hat... He, had, he was going nowhere, but this Zelina Vega pairing and his um, work with Rey Mysterio on SmackDown over the last few months and his demeanor in the ring, and I know he has limited English skills, but I think he is a very, very good wrestler, and I think with Zelina doing the talking and the money in the bank with them, I, I think this is just the perfect... I think it's always better when a heel has the money in the bank. Oh, I think you're exactly right. I'm just... Baron would be my second pick just for the heat. Oh, my God. (laughs) He's already had this thing once, though. Holy shit. That place would go ballistic. They're going to tease it a lot in this match. And they are going to... The crowd is going to pop every time he gets near... The briefcase. Yeah. I don't think they're going to go in that direction because they've already, he's already done it and blew it on SmackDown in hilarious fashion when he tried to cash in either last year or the year before. Him. So, that leaves us with two other matches. The Raw Women's Championship as Becky works double duty and takes on Lacey Evans. See, we're going to differ here. I really think Lacey's going to win it. Now I think Becky will win.
2: Like I said, we're going to differ. I really think Lacey, and here's why. Because that is, they have teased her and built her and built her and built her. And how much bullshit can she truly talk that she walks up in there? Her first title opportunity beats it, but not only wins, but beats the the person, the
1: female star the man. No, I think the opposite's going to happen, and I think Becky's going to run right through uh, Lacey Evans, and Lacey might have a post-match attack that sets up a rematch for Down the Roads and weakens her in the Charlotte match, because I think Lacey and Becky will go on before the Charlotte match. Yeah. And so I'm going to say Becky retains, and this also keeps her on the Raw brand, though with the wild card rule, Patrick, it doesn't fucking matter anyway, so why am I even trying to... Say, oh, you have to stay on a brand. And finally, the Universal title match. Two babyface competitors, Seth Rollins and AJ Styles. And I believe Seth Rollins will retain. And they will have uh, a few more matches in this program where ultimately AJ will not prevail. But we'll put on some really great matches. I really want it to be AJ. I got to go with AJ. I
2: really do. (laughs) I got to go. Because my heart, I want... I want it so
1: fucking bad. Maybe if they have AJ turn heel, then later on in one of the rematches, I might pick AJ. But if you're just, we're just great wrestlers who wrestled 15 years ago and a gymnasium and I'm the new AJ which is basically the storyline here Seth Rollins saying oh I looked up to you when I was a kid you know and <laughs> stuff like that Basically, you're the old man yeah, <laughs> old man AJ Styles in his 40s yes super old I just don't see the title changing here tonight so those are our predictions you'll see what happens because this won't be published until about Thursday so you can look <laughs> back and see how wrong we were we probably should have done this last week but some of this card wasn't even announced last week, so... Right. So, that is Money in the Bank 2019. We'll see how we do uh, next week. Uh, but what is in the news desk this week, sir? Uh, well, you know my
2: my motto. Start low and high. Oh, boy. Here we go. Start uh, with the depressing stuff. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, Ashley Macero has, uh, has passed away in a tragic
1: fashion of only 39. No, it's Um, terrible, yes. Not much older than me. I said it when Brian Christopher passed away that I thought we were kind of past the days of wrestlers or uh, ex-wrestlers passing away in their 30s. I just thought that was... We had finally moved past that. And sadly, we have not because we are back here once again talking about a former wrestler dying before the age of 40. I know it sounds
2: cliche, but she really did give it her all for fans, and no matter what it was, no matter what it
1: took. Well, she was part of the CTE lawsuit, the concussion lawsuit, which Brandon Thurston, who's on Twitter, who runs the WrestleNomics podcast now that Chris Harrington has moved on to work with AEW, but Brandon Thurston collected these depositions, which you can find online from the concussion lawsuits and it's various wrestlers talking about giving their own statement about why they're joining the lawsuit and she was of course ashley was the 2005 diva search winner and her deposition was it's something else to read it really really shocking stuff not too shocking because uh the wwe the way it treats wrestlers has been very well documented uh the independent contractor status uh, which got highlighted a few weeks ago on last week tonight and that we've talked about before how it's a it's a crazy it's a crazy crazy industry and a crazy company to get involved with so in her deposition basically she won the 2005 diva search which came with a contract they told her she was going to be the face of the division not necessarily a wrestler she was under the impression that she was not going to be a wrestler. Now, unlike Tough Enough where that was a competition where you saw the wrestlers going in there and training and they were going to be wrestling. The Diva Search was not done in that way. It was a talent competition. It was a beauty pageant. It was come out here and cut promos on the other divas and it wasn't they weren't training. And yeah. so she wins this contest and say so say you're going to be Basically what Stephanie McMahon's title is today, Brand Ambassador. She she was under the impression she was going to be like maybe like a Charlie Caruso type, just and one week later they say you're in a match. She had zero training. She tried to go get training on her own because they didn't offer her any. Yeah. They she offered to go to developmental OVW at the time, I think, or maybe it was FCW by then. I don't remember. You can I'll I'll post a link to the deposition, but she offered to go get some training because she told Stephanie or somebody, I need some training if you want me to do this. Yeah. Because I'm gonna hurt myself or hurt somebody else. And which they, is
2: which is very i mean it was very professional of her to not just see a chance and oh my god I'm going to take it like hey I need you know I need to know what I'm doing before I get that role I I very well respect
1: her for that Stephanie said sure we can do that but you'll lose your spot basically in the in those words I'm just quoting from the deposition I'm indirectly quoting from the deposition but so She's now a wrestler, even though she has zero training. So she started on her days off going to a gym to try to get training on her own. Mm -hmm. And then they pulled her aside and said, no, 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 you can't do that. Because if you get hurt there, then it's on us. It's liability reasons. Even though you're an independent contractor, you can't do this on your off time, which is crazy that they can dictate what you do on your off time. And I understand trying to control who trains you and all that stuff, but when they're saying well, if we train you, you lose your spot. If you train you, then you're risking your job.
2: Well Tom Pritchard, I mean they set up a damn ring in a warehouse for Tom Pritchard for Tom Pritchard, Dr. Tom Pritchard, to train the rock. You would think that they would have done at least something along those lines for her, even if it was on off times to where she's training with a company. Person, not having to
1: go to outer means to do it. Some other highlights from this deposition, which is hers was like two pages long. There's others from like Road Warrior Animal, which is only like one page long, but hers goes into some other stuff. So she gets injured in the ring a couple of times and goes to Trish Stratus and says, Man, I, you know, my head's really hurting. And Trish just says, Shake it off because if you say you're hurt, you'll lose your spot. Another lose your spot kind of deal. Yeah. So improper. This was before the Benoit tragedy where they actually shifted focus into head injury and head trauma, stuff like that. And then also a terrible event that she describes going to visit the troops overseas where she says she was sexually assaulted. And then gives graphic detail in this deposition about what happened over there. And so she had a terrible time in the company. I mean, her biggest highlight coming at WrestleMania 23 in that match against Melina, which is not one that is very memorable, but I mean, it is her... She had a title shot at WrestleMania. Not many female wrestlers can say that. She was one of the few women's wrestlers that had pyro in their entrance. They did give her a character. They attempted to push her as a star, and this was when, of course, they had their partnership with Playboy.
2: Yeah, she went on
1: to be a centerfold for Playboy. So then, after she got out of the business, it's very hard to step away from the limelight. And not just the crowds in the ring, because I don't think she very much cared for the wrestling aspect of her job being in playboy back when playboy was still magazines were still a thing and playboy was still the playboy mansion and all the the celebrities that basically lived there so she's over there hobnobbing with celebrities she's in the in crowd she's on the cover of the magazine she's meeting celebrities she's walking red carpets and then just like that overnight it's gone And that's very, very tough, I imagine, for anybody because this happens to any kind of entertainers when the the crowds are gone, when the lights are off, it's back to reality. And that's a very hard thing for people to deal with. She had kept up her public appearances. She was supposed to be at StarCast. She had been responding. She Her very last tweet was talking about responding to fan mail so and just talking about all the love and uh, for the fans and everything. She was still actively engaged with the wrestling fan community, but you never know what's going on inside someone's head, you, especially somebody who was in this concussion lawsuit who may not even be in control of what's going on inside their head. It's just a tragedy, and again, I hate to always point the finger at the WWE, but they offer drug rehab. But they don't offer anything else. They don't offer psychiatric treatment. They don't offer health care. There's no retirement plan. There's nothing like that. So even though you are ultimately in charge of your own decisions after you leave the company, I just feel like they're still culpable to some degree for what happens when wrestlers are dying at very young ages. Yeah. That have performed for them for multiple years so yeah, she had a run for like what four or five years. She. I just hope that wrestlers dying in their 30s is a thing of the past. Yeah,
2: it really needs to be. You kind of hit it when you were talking about when you go back to the hotel room or something like that after living the high life. That's pretty much what Jake Roberts said. All of his stuff come from. He's like, how do you? And he he made this statement. It makes perfect sense. How do you go from being in front of ninety-three thousand people in the Pontiac Silverdome to then going back to the hotel room and it's just you alone, and you're jacked up, you're hyped, you're you know you're pumped because you had a great showing, whatever, but you can't sleep, but you need to get sleep because you got to get up and catch that flight the next morning or catch the car ride the next morning. Yeah, there's and so there's no off season. You get up so if you can't sleep take sleep pills you know you wake up eventually caffeine's not doing it anymore so you're hurting
1: hurt. so you take some pain pills take
2: some pain pills you're taking pills to wake up uh at that point in time alcohol is always kicking in because you're in pain as well so you try to forget that as well as the pain it's a very easy i mean serious y'all it is a very easy trap to fall into
1: Ashley Massaro walking out at WrestleMania 23, that was the Trump year. That was a huge WrestleMania, one of the yeah. one of the higher-grossing WrestleManias they did. Yeah. Walking out there one day, and then a few years later, you're just walking home from the grocery store. Yeah. It's just crazy to think about the change in dynamics from that. And one minute you're on the cover of a magazine and everybody wants you, and then the next minute, no one's calling.
2: Well, I'm, even I speak from experience. Even... And I've trust me, y'all. I've had high-profile matches, but I've never been at WrestleMania or something like that. Whether I'm wrestling, managing, refereeing, which is what I'm basically known for, um, I don't care if it's a gymnasium full of 50 people or I'm in front of two, three thousand people, and, and I don't care. Before I go through that curtain, I get pumped and I'm hyped. That's that is a drug. That is a high that no
1: other drug, in my opinion, could ever give you. So, yeah. Sadly, Ashley Massaro passing away at 39. She would greatly be missed. You mentioned Ashley Massaro, and she was. She passed away on the same day that we got some scary news about Ric Flair's health. Yes. Uh, that. TMZ had reported he had been uh, rushed to a hospital, but then Conrad Thompson was in the middle of a conference call and was asked about this, and he is the son-in-law of Ric Flair. He married Ric Flair's other daughter and said that this was a procedure that Flair was planning on having anyway, that they just wanted to move it up and get it out of the way before StarCast, as he's expected to be there. And so it wasn't as serious as TMZ made it out to be, and then TMZ later updated the story where Ric Flair's wife, Said that the surgery had to be postponed until Monday. He was um, supposed to have this all happened on Thursday. He was
2: supposed to happen have surgery on Friday. He had some issues, so he did get sent to the hospital for complications. And those issues have now gotten a little bit worse into the point that they've postponed his surgery instead of being the next day, which was Friday. It's now postponed to Monday. However, he keeps saying he's going to be at StarCast.
1: We'll see about that, but hopefully I mean, the situation can... isn't as serious as health scare from a year or two ago. Yeah. Where uh, it looked really, really bad, but uh, hopefully this isn't that serious. I hope
2: not. We uh, we need Nate around for at least another 50 years.
1: Yes, exactly.
2: You know what is really bad for wrestling promotion? It's when you go to
1: commercial, and for some ungolly reason, you just don't come back. Yes, the Pursuit Channel, which is partly owned by Impact's parent company anthem entertainment so this is a a blunder of kind of epic proportions on their part pursuit channel hard enough to get anyway if you can find this thing so if you found it and you watch impact week to week you're you're wanting to see this main event they had to advertise this big main event and they go to commercial they just never came back never And uh, you didn't get the main event, so now that match is going to be on their... They're going to put it on their streaming service, so you can go and watch it there on Impact Plus. A big blunder, but it's Impact Wrestling, so I'm not really surprised. This is pretty much uh, no shocker. Did we not hit the button to come back on, or we just...
2: Did we not get the countdown to come back? Are we not getting our cues? What the fuck?
1: I assume this was an error in... Master Control is what it's called of a TV channel, and I assume whoever was at the helm, uh, there's usually a server that has all the commercial spots, and then it looks like a playlist of commercial, commercial, commercial program or whatever. But sometimes that automation system can skip something. So you go to commercial, commercial programs coming up, that automation might have skipped over it and just went back to more commercials. And if you're not paying close attention in Master Control, you won't even notice. And so I assume this was an error in Master Control is where I would place the blame on this. Because the show was probably properly timed out, segmented, and put into a playlist. And then whoever was monitoring this playlist didn't realize. Usually, like, if something skipped over or whatever, there's, like, turns red or there's some indicator. And I assume whoever was in Master Control, this might have been during a shift change in master control the guy might have been getting up to go to the bathroom and it can be seriously something that simple human error because as much as we rely on automation for everything there are people that oversee that automation and so it was probably an error in automation which could have been corrected but wasn't and so that's my hypothesis on what happened that's i've seen that happen on other programs as well not just impact but even on major networks that yeah. sometimes happens sucks for them
2: i yeah. wish i could say it sucks
1: for them but to be honest their numbers on pursuit which i don't think get released there's probably only about 70,000 people and that's maximum that are watching damn you're being generous yeah they broadcast on twitch which is online? That's where I think that's where watch. the majority of people yeah. watch. Rich so. Swan is over there. I think he was part of that main
2: event, actually.
1: Yeah, I'm too lazy to look up who was actually in the main event, but uh, it was supposed to be a big main event. Yeah. Too bad. Too bad. It's like uh, WCW Halloween Havoc '98. All <laughs> oh, you wanted to see DDP and Goldberg. Sorry. Fuck you. Yeah. <sighs> see you on Monday. On to
2: AEW double or nothing is going to end up being $50. Yeah, 50 fucking dollars, which is <laughs> which bullshit. is what we just talked about last week. I told you I was like, "Man, maybe, maybe not. We actually even threw that number out there and
1: you said they would be insane." And I still do. I still think it's a very stupid idea. This is your first ever event. You have no track record. You can say All in all you want. Guess what? All in was done with Ring of Honor's production crew. You have zero track record. You are a brand new company. That NWA seventy show we ordered was $25. They also had no track record. But you know what? I said, fuck it. I'll risk it for $25. I'm not going to do that for this show. And I don't think most people will do it either. And they're going to end up having their stream pirated. They are going to lose so much more money by trying this money grab. By saying $50 for our show, please, or 60 in some cases if you're on whatever cable provider you're on, if you want to watch it the traditional way on cable or satellite, sometimes it's $60. But an internet stream, number one, is usually cheaper than that option. There's usually a big difference in the two. It's also going to be on Bleacher Report Live because this week it was official. They're on turner they're on warner media at&t that owns tnt they they signed with them they have a terrible tv deal by the way as well uh which they have the xfl tv deal where they're not getting paid for their product they're getting paid for production of the product but they're not getting uh the ad revenue so they have they have no they're not getting any rights fees the wwe will be making 400 million dollars a year between their two shows this October. AEW will be making zero dollars from Warner Media for their television show. But much like the XFL, it's a it's a big platform. It's on streaming services, like Sling TV has it, so cord cutters can get it. So I don't fault them for taking that deal, but Just be aware that they're not getting any TV rights fees for it, and that's a huge component in how pro wrestling operates. I don't think it'll be on Mondays. They did say it was going to be live. AEW had trademarked a while back Tuesday night Dynamite, so it's either going to be on Tuesday or Wednesday night. But Tuesday on TNT is traditionally for NBA games, so I think Wednesday... Might be where they end up at, but so that's their TV deal. But for this streaming thing, I just I'm outraged at the fifty dollar price point. If they had priced it at twenty, twenty five dollars, thirty dollars, they would have made even more money. But because what angers me more than anything is that we're all about the fans. We're doing this for you. We're gonna make wrestling better. We're all about you. Fifty dollars, please. Fuck you. No, you're not. You're a fucking money grab is what it is and i saw people people on twitter were saying guys fifty dollars that's what pay per views cost back in 2004 for wwe like it was right around there that's what that that's the cost of pay-per-views this is 2019 the game has changed no one pays fifty dollars for pay-per-views anymore oh hell no because i mean even ufc ufc is sixty dollars i think but you buy those for really big shows, and you might do that once or twice a year. And if if that's what you want to do with Double or Nothing, if you want to make that your one show, like that's see, that's what they're sacrificing. In my opinion, is they're going to get a consumer that says that will splurge on a big pay per view, okay? But that's that's going to be the one. Now, what about ne- what about the next pay per view? What about the one after that? They're not going to get that. That person that that does one or two big spends a year on pay per view isn't gonna come back when it's fifty dollars every single time. Yeah. If it was twenty dollars, come back. Hell, they'll buy every every single month practically. Yeah. Or thirty dollars, they'll they can justify. I know it's not thirty to fifty. Isn't a huge. It's twenty dollars, but I just think it's the number fifty dollars. Is just that's a no. That that'll be a no for me. And I. Think it's going to Are we gonna watch this, sir? Maybe. I'll figure out a way to watch it, but I'm not paying fifty dollars for it, and that's for sure, and a lot of people won't. And if they release their official pay per view buys, they're gonna see for themselves, unless they fake the number like how WWE does with their attendance figures, they're gonna see how bad this decision was, and I bet their next show It'll be cheaper. It'll be cheaper. (laughs) So congratulations, guys. That idea Brenton had about making it free, wow, I was that was completely wrong. <laughs> they went in the opposite direction. And they're having one last match, a match that I was actually looking forward to. Neville, which now goes by Pac, his name prior to WWE, and Hangman Page is off. They're not going to do the match. They, they did the match overseas and ended it in a DQ finish, but now they're blaming uh, visa issues, but then there's been some talk that because Pac has the Dragon Gate championship that he didn't want to lose to Hangman Page, who is, of course, a member of the Elite. Right out of the gate, we've got WCW bullshit going on where we've got wrestlers on the creative team and in the hierarchy. They're going to want to win their matches. Yeah, And now... You've got a wrestler saying, fuck that. No, I'm not going to be losing because I've got this belt for another organization. And what is that? where does that leave me? Yeah. So we're already seeing the danger of having wrestlers. He's my buddy, so he's got to win. Hangman Page is a major project for them. And so, of course, they would want to put him over Neville. But
2: Which, which makes sense in all seriousness.
1: It does, but for, for a wrestler like Neville who gets big money in the UK and on the indie scene elsewhere, it hurts his value. Yeah. And so I just this is some of the dangers of having wrestlers in the booking room. Yeah. Or having close connections. This is like the NWO being so tight with Bischoff or Shawn Michaels being so tight with Vince McMahon. Like it's or Triple H being tight with Vince McMahon being related to him. That's what happens when You have these relationships. It sucks for wrestling fans because I wanted to see that match. I like both of those guys a lot. Yeah, that would have been a damn good match. Yeah, uh, but it won't be happening now.
2: AEW signs a couple referees, but the one should be well
1: noted, Mr. Earl Hebner. Yes, Earl Hebner, 70 years old. The second best referee. Of all time, yes, he was at all in. He did the the Cody Rhodes match. Did the stumbled through his introduction of the wrestlers Nick Aldis and Cody Rhodes, and now he's going to be a part of this organization. I hope that he doesn't sell bootleg merchandise out of his trunk and get don't, fired. Don't give so. him a microphone. Yeah. Yeah, don't let Earl do a lot of speaking. Don't put him in matches either. So <laughs> put him um, in matches. What the fuck are you gonna do with him? Well he has seventy now, but I mean, remember Nick Patrick versus Earl Hebner? So it <laughs> Yeah, they were they were a lot younger then. It still stunk. I know it's your favorite match of
2: all time, but Oh yeah, it's great. The referees explode. Uh Jericho. I, I love this. This is fucking great. Goes on to his social media accounts and says that he needs, the WWE stars need to thank him for getting more money because nobody gave a damn about AEW until he got signed and as soon as he got signed is when everybody started getting those guaranteed more money for longer dates for longer set years, these awesome contracts that other guys didn't have until they got scared that they were going to lose
1: everybody to AEW. Well, he takes credit for it. I, I love this. Well, there's some truth to that, but at the time, Jericho had stepped away from the company, so it's not like he was working for them, quit and then immediately went to AEW. He went to New Japan and then popped back up for that one match against Kevin Owens in the WWE. He was going on tour with Fozzie. I think that regardless of his signing with the, the company or not, they would still be wanting to retain their talent because especially now with the TNT deal announced, they actually do have... A competitor that's going yeah. to be on a platform where people can find it, and it's easily accessible. I mean, TNT and USA are basically in the same business as far as the types of programs they show. Right. So I think regardless of whether Jericho had signed, and Jericho, by the way, is going to go challenge for the IWGP Championship. So he's going to New Japan, so even though he's with AEW, he's now going over there, which may may lead to them dropping their partnership, New Japan, dropping their partnership with Ring of Honor and going with AEW, which would be... A massive blow to Ring of Honor, but we'll see what happens there. But so even now, Jericho's still floating around. So who knows? This guy just does whatever he, gets, he wants.
2: He, he gets that specialty contract
1: of I can I work for you, but I can go work over there too. He's got it made. He's got uh, the best deal in all of pro wrestling, I think, where he can just say, uh, no, nah, I think I'm going to go on tour with my band this month. Okay, I'll work that next show. Uh, no, nah, I think I'm going to go work in Japan for a while. Okay, I'll see you on the Jericho Cruise. i got to go on my cruise boat now. <laughs> so, he's really got it made. He's a made man. He's got the Undertaker schedule. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Undertaker didn't get this good of a treatment. I know. I mean, yeah, Undertaker uh, has got to go to Saudi Arabia and wrestle Goldberg. Oh, so. God, that's going to be terrible. So who do you think goes over in that match? Which I will not be watching, but who do you think goes over? Taker. I think you have to have Goldberg go over. Oh bullshit. If you're going to do Goldberg and Brock again, like you predicted, then both of these guys, they only have to take two bumps, so... Oh, God, yeah. It's not going to be some grueling Iron Man match, but I think you have to have Goldberg win. Jericho goes on to say that this is war. He He reiterates exactly... What He reiterated what Kenny Omega said, that it's war, that we're going head-to-head, even though they're not directly going head-to-head, but they... I think they will on Monday nights. No, they would be foolish. Even at the rate that Raw's numbers are declining, we saw what happened when TNA tried it. Yeah, because it was the same fucking
2: night Vince got on his knees and kissed Brett's ass and said, please come back, and Bret Hart shows up. in the first... 3 minutes of raw for the first time in what? 15
1: 16 years. Who's missing that? But then Impact came back in March and went back head to head with them. They didn't have, that wasn't actually the start of their like five week war that they had, well, a battle really. But yeah, they got the their war. ass kicked and then they went back to Thursday nights and were successful there, but uh, for a while. Uh, he he expects to
2: kick ass and take names and make WWE realize
1: that they are making a huge mistake finally before we jump into this pay per view I wanted to get your thoughts on Bray Wyatt the clown how do you feel about doink 2019 here that mask looks like it would suck to wrestle in by yes. the way that yes. was my first thought Yes, so that makes me think it's going to be a cane welding mask where he just takes it off before he gets in the ring then he's just Bray Wyatt again Maybe it's a really nice mask. It looks uh, the the, it looks killer. The guy who made it like tweeted out like, "Man, it took hours of work." I was gonna say,
2: pull up a picture of this. Pull if you can find one. So it looks awesome. All right, it really does. It looks like you know the whole Joker mouth thing, but yet it's got the the like, like a vampire, werewolf looking nose and forehead and stuff. It looks badass, okay? It really does. Is it a full-blown head mask? I don't think it is. No, I think
1: it just covers his face. I mean, I'm sure it's got something around the back. Well, yeah, to hold it on, but... I don't know. You think he'll he'll wrestle in it? I don't know. If he does,
2: he's going to be sucking wind, because that just looks like it would suck. Well, I mean, the mouthpiece
1: is quite large enough to where he could but well I mean yeah I mean I watched Kane wrestle in a mask that really looked like it sucked to wrestle in too so it can be done but I don't know no beard either unless it's tucked up in that damn thing oh yeah I didn't even think about that well he's got it kind of cut back he's cut it back still
2: though hard. man even cut back I don't, I don't I don't know I think it's no beard brother
1: well no- then that would be weird I was going that because he was had a beard before he transformed no beard, Bray means uh, he's
2: gonna be that, like Husky Harris. Again. Well, that leads me to think that he's gonna he's gonna wear the mask. He's
1: gonna wrestle in the mask. We'll see. Um, that was our big reveal. Don't know if those Firefly Funhouse things will continue or if that was it. But probably one tonight during Money in the Bank, so we'll get to check that out. Or we might get a debut. Maybe. Well, let's go back to a different time in pro wrestling. <laughs> The hottest period in pro wrestling ever will never be topped. The summer oh. of 1998. We might if AEW. <laughs> come on, baby. Come yeah, on. keep holding out hope. We we were all in once. We're double or nothing twice. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> keep um, rolling the dice. Yeah, maybe the summer of 2020 will be the summer. The The next pay-per-view for them should be called Third Time's a Charm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. Throwing that out there. How about three strikes, you're out. How about that? Oh, come on. So, we go back to the summer of 98, man. Things were just popping in pro wrestling. This is when they had pro wrestlers on the cover of TV Guide. You had Sting, Rock, Hogan, and Goldberg on the cover of TV Guide. I remember in our local newspaper, they even had a pro wrestling section. Very short-lived. Yes. But it got me to look at the newspaper. Yeah. Which my dad was probably disgusted by because he didn't really like pro wrestling and he loves the paper, but he saw this big section in the newspaper now devoted to pro wrestling and it only lasted a few weeks. But every Monday morning, I would get up and go look at this this piece in the paper. It was like called the Body Slam or something stupid like that. But a few weeks before this, WCW put on Road Wild with Jay Leno Uh-oh. taking on Hulk Hogan. And then the month before that, the Bash at the Beach show with Dennis Rodman and Carl Malone as Dennis Rodman taking... Those uh, are two we need to cover at some point in time. Yes, Dennis Rodman taking a nap on the apron. This is where Stone Cold is obviously the hottest wrestler in in all of wrestling. And this show, SummerSlam 1998, The Highway to Hell, which had a great music video to the ACDC song that promoted it. Like, a lot of people go back to that My Way video from X7, but the Highway to Hell video was equally as good and it was featured on Raw and they played it and it got me hyped because honestly the actual build to this main event didn't get me much hyped which was our Undertaker and Kane in cahoots, cahoots was the word of the day in in the Firefly Funhouse it would make everyone scream I think (laughs) that was the big deal was would Taker turn into a bad guy and have Kane help him out and defeat Stone Cold Steve Austin for that smoking skull belt at SummerSlam. It's August thirtieth, nineteen ninety-eight. This show did seven hundred thousand buys. Holy it's shit! The, and that was before international buys. Damn! It's, it's the most bought SummerSlam in company history. And yes, wrestling was pretty, pretty damn hot. Damn! I did not realize that. Yeah, that was really yeah, quite impressive. August 30th, ninety-eight, from New York City, MSG, 21,588 in attendance. A packed house and a great crowd. Well, it is home-based, basically, for the WWE, or WWF at this time. The opening promo plays about the conspiracy between Undertaker and Kane, and if it exists, we'll find out tonight. This is the 10th edition of SummerSlam, and it's going to be called by Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler. Val Venus out first. It's like a rerun from last month. Val Venus out first to take on European champion D'Lo Brown. Val says the big Val has arrived in the Big Apple. He came, he saw, and he came again. D'Lo had this great gimmick of hailing from all sorts of European nations. That is
2: brilliant. As the European champion, every time he comes out, he's from like Sweden. He's from Singapore. He's from Paris,
1: like that. That's great. Singapore, not in Europe, but that would have been good. Uh, tonight, he's from Helsinki, Finland. So there you go. This is Delo's first pay-per-view title defense of this European belt that he's had for three months. <laughs> so congrats. As last month was a non-title match, even though he still won the match, so he could have just had it. Just put it on the the line. D'Lo, only 26 years old here. And Val, only 27. (laughs) This whole roster is very young compared to the WCW roster at this point. JR keeps bringing up that Stone Cold beat up a hearse on Sunday Night Heat because he thought it was Undertaker's. We'll find out whose hearse it actually was. D'Lo rams his chest protector into Val a couple times, that loaded chest protector, which Roman Reigns still to this day Need to get that loaded chest protector off of him. Start playing by the rules, pal. That's right. Or at least have the ref check it, you know? That's right. Venus hits a leg sweep, a drop kick, and a drop toe hold as Val, still very, very green here doing Wrestling 101, and uh, D'Lo bails to the outside. D'Lo returns to the ring, gets a spine buster from Val for a near fall. Edge is in the crowd, just hanging out. How does he always get tickets to everything? And he always has his gear on, just in case. Just in case. You never know. D'Lo hits his signature head-shaking leg drop for a near fall. Then he hits a back heel kick for a near fall. Then a second rope elbow for another near fall. D'Lo puts Venus into a shitty-looking cloverleaf, which started out good, but then D'Lo just gave up on it. Like His legs were slipping out of his hands, so he just said, fuck it. Just let him get out of it. Lo goes for another second rope move, but Val rolls out of the way of this one. Val delivers knees and an elbow that get D'Lo to the ground. A back body drop from Val Venus, and he goes upstairs for an axe handle, but D'Lo catches him and hits a sky high for a two count. D'Lo delivers a DDT for a near fall. The crowd very into this match, and they are biting on every near fall. Like, every every time there's a two count, oh, oh, the crowd was so good They're for, for this, this pay-per-view. Yeah. Val catches D'Lo off the second rope for a power slam for a near fall. Val hits a double underhook suplex, a scoop slam, goes for the money shot, but D'Lo gets his knees up and blocks it. This MSG crowd starts D'Lo chants. Wow, I, I've never heard D'Lo chants before, but tonight was his night. He wants a power bomb, and ooh, I had visions here of draws as D'Lo wants a power bomb. Who so, we will see later on, by the way. Yes, he he lifts up. Venus, but nearly drops him and does drop him. So he just repeats the spot, does it again, hits a running power bomb. But that initial drop was quite scary. Hits the running power bomb, goes for the lowdown, but misses, which is his frog splash. Val rips off the chest protector, then hits a power slam. Val puts on the chest protector. Jimmy Corderis then crotches Val. Jimmy Corderis turns heel here. He's trying to tell him to take the chest protector off. And he crotched him for it. He does not have the doctor's note. Doctor's note to be able to wear that chest protector. So Cordero takes a rough bump from Val. D'Lo takes his chest protector back, but ding, ding, ding! Cordero throws the match out because Val shoved Jimmy. That's right. And this match, I thought deserved a proper finish, as I thought. D'Lo looked awesome in this match. I thought D'Lo was doing a great job. So who would who would you have put over then? I would have just had D'Lo beat him. Maybe with a roll-up, not a decisive win, but Val was still going to be popular, win or lose. I think Val, with this uh, porn star gimmick in 1998, was going to be popular for a while. Well, yeah, so.
2: him and Jenna Jameson showing up and all that.
1: What did you think of this opening match? Oh, it was amazing. Yeah, I thought D'Lo looked... Uh, just really, really good, except for that one uh, botch of the power bomb. They both came, came to play. Like, they
2: came ready to go and ready to own that match. And they set
1: the bar very high for the rest of the show to have to follow. Corderas, though, Val's going to get all his heat back here. And Jimmy Corderas takes a money shot from Val Venus. That's a great name for the move. For Val Venus, yes, they they got that right. That had Vince Russo. Congratulations. (laughs) You just got a compliment from from Patrick. We go to Michael Cole with the hearse, and he's with Mankind. Mankind is upset because the hearse was his car. He drove that. He wanted to be cool, so got his hearse beat up for no reason. Austin didn't check the uh, registration to make sure it was Undertaker's. Mankind has the sledgehammer that was used on his car, and he wants to use it. We'll see if he does. Well, I'm glad we started with that first match, not this match. Because Kai Kai and Ty is out next to take on the Oddities, who, of course, on the network have to have their entrance cut because of the ICP song, which... Just pay for the fucking music. Like, they can't... ICP needs money, I'm sure, at this point in 2019. Just pay them for the fucking song. like So they get their entrance cut. So we have Kurgan, Golga, and Giant Silva... Facing Dick Togo, Men's Teo, Funaki, and Taka. All so right, it's four so on three. Before we get into this, Giant
2: Silva, who is a massive man, massive man. I want you to give us a little backstory because he was there and was gone rather quickly. And we do
1: not, we I hadn't heard of him before or since well, he actually went on to have quite a good career after leaving. He went to Japan and did some pride fights. Really? Yeah. Uh, till about 2008 or nine. So he had a pretty long career afterwards. No shit. He was on the roster until February. Doesn't give a reason for leaving. Then he went to CMLL in Mexico, which he was Gigante Silva, of course. Then he went to New Japan and Hustle through 2008 and also did some pride fights between 2003 and six. He lost all but two of them, but there you go. That was Giant Silva, who's still around, only 55 years old. Does
2: he wrestle still?
1: Uh, no, he is retired.
2: He is retired. We're what is Giant Silva's real name?
1: Well, he's from Brazil. He was a basketball player for the Brazilian national basketball team. His real name Paulo Cesar de Silva. So the oddities: Kurgan Golga, who is of course uh, Earthquake. John Tinta. John Tinta in a mask and Cartman shirt. And <laughs> Cartman shirt. What? The, I mean, why would you pick that? With a Cartman doll as well. But why him? Just I mean, I um, don't know. <laughs> I I think on one of those Legends Roundtable, Jim Ross discussed why they put him in a mask and he didn't understand it but I don't understand it either like why can't he just why because everyone would call him you can just call him Earthquake you can just well because everybody was younger at
2: that and so it was a youth movement and he oh. still was doing I mean what you're going to put a guy from the damn 80s in there and be like oh yeah he's not Hogan he's not we got young upcoming stars really here's Earthquake yeah well I mean but they brought Boss Man back <laughs> so yeah
1: but they changed his look that's like bringing back Taker I mean well, they, they could, changed his look they could change Earthquakes well they did change Earthquakes look quite a bit but I mean they could still call him Earthquake and then just I don't know it, what late 90s so give him some big ass cargo pants and some a chain wallet and all that <laughs> shit I don't know he's a one man gang now yeah, <laughs> that's that's actually sort of, yeah. Hot Topic got all their shit from one-man gang, really, if we look back on it. Golga no-sells Taka's strikes and runs through Kaintai. Jim Ross says he likes the Insane Clown Posse, so there goes his credibility for the night. <laughs> Golga smells Yamaguchi's son's shoes and then dumps water in one, which I didn't understand this spot. Kurgan then drops to his knees to fight Funaki, which was a funny uh, spot in the match. Because he's the same height when he drops to his knees, you see? Because they're little. They're little Japanese people. By the way, all these uh, Japanese wrestlers from Mishinoku Pro, sad how they got utilized here. Great wrestlers. Just, uh... Not you're too damn little. Kintai triple team Kurgan, but he fights out of it, and then back body drops Men's Teo. Kurgan just wants to dance. He's out of that Truth Commission era, now he's just wanting to dance. He just wants to be like Alex Wright and dance. Giant Silva gets a tag and Kai and Tai all run away. Kai Tai don't want to face Giant Silva and Dick Togo gets thrown out of the ring. Then so all of Kai and Tai decide to pile on Giant Silva. Giant Silva just stacks Kai and Tai in the corner and then he does the butt thrust from Andre's playbook. He whips all of Kai Tai into the corner, dumps Taka out to Kayantai outside the ring and then Golga comes back in as he's the only one that can really work he power slams Funaki elbow drops him, Kayantai though stop him before he can hit his big whoopsie, they double suplex Golga, then Kayantai all hit aerial moves to Golga while he's on the ground, Kayantai quadruple team Golga, but Golga takes them all down, makes it to his feet tags Kurgan, Kurgan comes in to stop Tai. Silva comes into, Luna then slams Yamaguchi's son, double choke slams from Kurgan and Silva to all of Kaintai, and then Golga covers all four members of Kaintai and gets the win. So there you go. Pretty sad to see your light heavyweight champion that you hype so much in Taka here being comedy fodder. That's so. true,
2: man. That's really true.
1: So, yeah, that match uh, was a Raw match that just somehow made it onto this pay-per-view. Double J's out for his hair versus hair match with Southern Justice, which Double J cripples himself by saying, Hey, Southern Justice, go back to the pack. Why would you do that? <laughs> hey, you guys can come out here and get my back. Ah, uh, no, you need to leave. By the way, Double J's hair is wet. I don't it know is. if that's a giveaway or not, but he doesn't usually wrestle with wet hair. It's almost like... It's easier to cut. Yeah. On heat, though, Double J shaved Fink's head. How dare you, sir? He barely has any hair to shave. Right? X-Pac comes out to an amazing reaction because... They, they went. They went. It's the power of DX. If you had a DX shirt on, that's all that mattered.
2: It's NWO all over again, brother.
1: Yeah. They, he, they just went crazy for X-Pac. And Fink is walking out with him. He's an honorary DX member. For tonight only For tonight Because of the head shaving He even does crotch chops Very poorly Oh man dude He makes Tyson look great Yeah He does X-Pac grabs the mic And says Jarrett let me tell you something Biatch Howard's got two words for you suck it X-Pac hits a spinning heel kick and clotheslines Jarrett over the ropes X-Pac only 26 here as well Double J gets in the ring, drop kicks X-Pac out of the ring, Jarrett crouches X-Pac on the post outside of the ring Pac beats the count, takes some big right hands from Jarrett and a power slam for a near fall X-Pac hits a tornado, DDT to slow Jarrett down, let's go X-Pac chance, seriously that happened, King says Jarrett is a natural blonde, JR says how would you know that, good question Jarrett slaps on a sleeper. X-Pac fires up. Put Jarrett in a sleeper, but Jarrett crotches him on the post to escape. X-Pac elbows Jarrett and then tries a crossbody, but misses. Fink tries to fire up the crowd for X-Pac. Jarrett calls for the figure four. He gets it, but X-Pac makes it to the ropes. He tries it again, but gets shoved into the ropes and then belly-to-back suplexed by X-Pac. X-Pac hits a bronco buster. Double J tries a high cross, but X-Pac rolls through it for a near fall. X-Pac hits a sit-out powerbomb for two. Fink distracts the ref and gets decked by Jarrett, but then stumbles into an X Factor. One, two, oh, X Pac gets a near fall. Southern Justice reemerged. Dennis Knight misses a guitar shot to X Pac. So X Pac has a guitar, nails Jarrett with it. One, two, three. Jeff Jarrett is getting his hair cut. A devastating loss for Jeff Jarrett here in nineteen ninety eight. Though he would look much better with short hair, so this was a good move for him.
2: Not the best match.
1: It was fine. Uh, like I said, it didn't make a lot of sense for Southern Justice to be sent away only to then come back. I guess they had to go find the guitar. The crowd likes haircuts, so doesn't really matter. And, and Okay. Three,
2: like two cuts in and the clippers clog up.
1: Always. No one can get this right. So why the fuck do you not bring out... Just regular scissors. Regular scissors. It's like they've never had a haircut before.
2: Or do what they did with Vince. Regular scissors that shit. Get it real low, then take the clippers and take the rest of it off.
1: Then shaving cream. Then take- shaving
2: cream and shave that son of a bitch. Well, Vinces
1: head. took about thirty minutes, so they just didn't have that kind of time. But
2: even then though, they cut a couple clippers, a couple of uh snips, and then just take it and go.
1: The New Age Outlaws run out to make sure this haircut goes down, so does Draws and the Headbangers. Headbangers have no hair, so I don't know what their beef was exactly. Jared gets a haircut and the Headbangers use it as a wig, so does Fink, and there you go. Method Man from Wu-Tang Clan is in the crowd and he loves it. We preview the didn't match between Owen and Shamrock, Doc Hendricks is in the basement of MSG in the theater, and uh, we get a look at the structure, which is a giant cage bowl, is what I would describe it as. Yeah, it's not a normal octagon. It's a very unique... It is badass, but it would look like shit in the ring because with the ropes around it, it'd be hard to see what was happening. In a wrestling ring? Yeah, if they put it in the middle of the ring. Like Thunderdome or yes, whatever? the, the Steiner <laughs> Asylum. Yes, it would look like shit. Rock is with Michael Cole. Rock belt-shotted Triple H in the knee during heat, so he's obviously going to win tonight. Rock says, or Cole says, you must feel pretty good about yourself. Then The Rock cuts a Rock promo. He's going to climb the People's Ladder, New York City, millions and millions, Dam tease, he's going to be the champ. Do you smell what The Rock's cooking? Up next is a mixed tag between Jacqueline and Sable with a mystery partner. Sable then gets on the mic and introduces Edge, who finally comes out of the crowd to finally wrestle which how did she get to talk to edge he's a mute is this his first match i didn't I, think it was his first match it's not his first match it's i it's his first pay-per-view match i think okay i believe it's his first pay-per-view match he had had matches before but on raw or something yeah or even shotgun saturday night but god they need to put that on the network bad Well, they're about to add more thunder to the network, so you're finally going to see David Arquette win the belt, I think. Yes! Mero starts with Edge. Edge hits a couple of Japanese arm drags, and then Mero tags out. This is a mixed tag match. No intergender match here. When you tag someone of the other gender out, the other guy has to leave. Mero tags out. Jackie comes in, but tags right back out. Jackie chokes Edge behind Tim White's back. Marrow looks for the TKO, but Edge counters with a DDT. Sable and Jackie tag in. Sable hits the press and punches to Jackie. Stone-cold Sable here. Then Big kicks and throws Jackie by the hair. She forearms Marrow and gives chase to Jackie, who tags Marrow back in. Sable low-blows him. She wants the Sable bomb on Marrow but Jackie saves him. Jackie chokes Sable on the second rope. Sable hits a TKO to Jackie, but Marrow breaks the cover. Jackie accidentally decks Mero knocks him off the apron. Edge tags in, hits a tope to Mero out on the aisleway, and then spanks Jacqueline. Edge hits a high cross for two. He hits a neckbreaker to Mero with the help of the top rope. Mero accidentally decks Jackie this time and nearly gets rolled up. Mero Samoan drops Edge, goes for the shooting star press, but gets crotched by Sable. Sable then Hurricane Rana's Mero off the top, but can't cover as Jackie splashes Mero by mistake. More miscommunication. Then Edge hits his downward spot old DDT to mark Marrow. Then he lifts Sable up and throws her down on Marrow. So Sable pins Marrow which is against the rules but whatever. One, two, three. Sable and Edge. This odd combination get the win. This never ending feud between Sable and her husband uh, hopefully has come to an end. Probably not though. But there you go. This was a raw match as well. This was... I think we had seen enough. I think, honestly, after WrestleMania 14, when she did the powerbomb to Luna or whatever, when she was teaming with Mark, yeah, then just spin her off as a single star, just in this. This went on forever. Her and Mark Merrill and Jackie just went on forever. And then incorporating Edge for no reason.
2: Well, they had to put him on the card somewhere. Well, Maybe. yeah, he bought a ticket. <laughs>
1: so that's that. Cole is with Mankind. I know you love Johnny B. Bad, though. Oh, God. He's yeah. your favorite. It's great. Cole's with Mankind. Cole tells Mankind, Kane's not going to be here tonight. Mankind says, man i've had a bad day i lost my car i lost my tag team partner now i can't even find my sledgehammer which he just had earlier so that's on him the other stuff is out of his control but mankind says he can't disappoint the people he'll go out there and get his ass kicked for the people mr mcmahon then interrupts and says it's okay mick don't hurt yourself but this is madison square garden this is where you used to come to when you're a kid just think of it You'll be in the Madison Square Garden Hall of Fame. And Vince hands him the silver platter, literally. And then Mankind says, yeah, he's going to go out there and do it. He's going to overcome the New Age Outlaws all by himself. He can do it. I got faith in him. Cole tosses to a promo about the Lion's Den. We've seen the development of this feud, which we saw a stop in the Hart family dungeon between these two. Dan Severn has been training Owen Hart, you see, to take on Ken Shamrock, his former nemesis in the UFC so Owen is fighting on Dan Severn's behalf why they never did Dan Severn versus Ken Shamrock I don't know I still don't get it to this day we go to the theater at Madison Square Garden for the Lions Den match it's a huge Owen chance as he enters the Lions Den Shamrock enters and immediately slams Owen against the cage Owen returns a favor hits a spine buster to Shamrock who just rolls over and starts dishing out right hands Shamrock gets whipped into the steel, the uh, barriers that separate the uh, fencing, and then clotheslines Owen. Owen wore a t-shirt to the ring. Bad idea. He gets choked with it. Shamrock springboard drop kicks Owen off the cage, which was really cool. Then he whips Owen into the steel and lands a hip-lock takeover. Owen whips Shamrock into the steel support beams. Now they're a Shamrock chance. An enziguri takes Shamrock down. Shamrock gets dropped face-first into the fencing, and Owen follows with a backbreaker. Owen looks for the sharpshooter, but Shamrock kicks Owen away. Owen looks for a Hurricane Rana, but Owen gets powerbombed instead. Shamrock nails a huge head kick, but then gets power slammed by Owen. Owen belly to belly Shamrock. Owen puts Shamrock in the sharpshooter, but Shamrock has the most inventive way of getting out of the sharpshooter ever. He climbs the cage to get out of the sharpshooter. And then DDTs Owen off of it, which was awesome shamrock lands a couple of nasty head kicks and owen locks in the dragon sleeper which was taught to him by dan Severn. we we're told i guess owen hadn't been watching nitro then <laughs> shamrock just walks up the cage flips over puts owen in the ankle lock and dan Severn, who has a towel on his shoulder is he gonna throw in the towel is this a repeat of owen hart's past history here is the towel going to be thrown in no he just walks away And Owen taps out in a match that was uh, pretty awesome, pretty inventive stuff going on in this match. Too bad it happened in the theater and not in the arena where the (laughs) crowd could enjoy it. It was only 9 minutes and 16 seconds, but I thought they were really inventive with the stuff they did. Dude, it's a great match. And I love this idea. I think it could still come
2: into play now, especially with the way MMA's taken off. WWE could use this... This would be now today's version of Brawl for All. Well, yeah, but you still have it, you know, worked instead of... Oh, well, God, yeah. But I'm just saying it would be
1: brilliant on their part to cash in on it. I think the reason... Well, Vince hates the UFC, so even though he was doing it here. I'm sure other people persuaded Vince to give this thing a shot. They only did two of these matches. Um, The other one was Ken Shamrock and Blackman? Yeah, Blackman. And I think today it might come across as a little desperate to do it. I think that's the way Vince would interpret it. Like, oh, you guys are struggling in the ratings, so now you're just going to try and copy MMA. Like... I think it's just a bad look. The problem with the lion's den itself, though, is the way, like I said, if you sat it in the ring with the ropes around it, you'd have to have the ring crew take the ropes down, which would suck. Yeah. I know the ring crew, they have the best ring crew in the world that can get the ropes down and out of there in seconds. Yeah. But that's it's like a, they're like a damn NASCAR pit crew. Oh yeah, they
2: really they got their shit together.
1: I do like the idea of having the cage walls close together to where you can get those inventive spots where you can leap off the the cage and and actually hit moves and stuff and not have it you know ring ropes dividing you or. Well, that's what I love about it is it's actually one
2: full circle. It's not it's not an octagon or it's not squared off or whatever. It's a full circle where it's. It's the chain link fence itself is fully curved to where it'll hold and fit and you can you can run up it and bounce off. You can the way it's leaned also, there's just so much that you could do with it. It's a brilliant structure. It's
1: very well done. You can do a lot of creative stuff in it. You can do a lot of creative stuff. And with the stuff around the top where you can walk around, you can even do aerial moves and stuff if you wanted to. Right. So I think it's a cool structure I wish yeah I wish that they had gone back to it sometime but for whatever reason they didn't actually in in UFC one time uh, some dude took a page out of this playbook and actually kicked like springboarded off the cage and kicked the dude in the head just like Shamrock did here tonight really so, yeah in UFC you actually can't grab onto the cage that's against the rules and stuff so you can't actually do a lot but you can leap off of it like you can like it's bad strategy for the most part because you get your ass kicked but you can do that but yeah i just think you can get so inventive in this this structure i think it's uh for really creative wrestlers like especially owen hart who's who's very good uh with coming up with with stuff i mean he's from a great wrestling family and shamrock was more than willing to go along and I mean, it was nice of Owen to give Shamrock those those really big high spots, like like walking up and doing all that stuff. Because you know, other wrestlers would be like, "Fuck that! No, I'm I'm doing that." Like, yeah. But I like this match a lot. Even I, though t- it's gonna it's gonna blow your mind.
2: This is match of the night for me. Wow! I love this match and this feud itself. I mean, hell, you went to the Heart Dungeon. Now you're having this unbelievable cage right this feud itself was just very well done very you know innovative it was very it, it was just it was all driven by owen too owen was in charge and that's what was so great about it is it gave it they opened the doors to let owen have full reign of here's what we want you to do and it worked with russo i'll give him that it worked because owen's like i want to do this i want to do this i want to do this and russo's like okay if we're going to do that then let's you know what if how can we make this work and so it was brilliant creative wise on owen hart's uh behalf of pulling this whole thing together not just this match particular but the whole just the whole rivalry itself it was very well done
1: my only complaint about the Owen Hart Ken Shamrock feud is I think it's weird that you're passing off Owen as some prize fighter because uh, he's a pro wrestler. I mean he is. Born yeah, and but bred. his
2: his background as a heart. You're a legitimate take him down and make him scream. Who else can you put in that role? And who else would be believable in that role? I it's he's believable. Dan Severn. Well, yes, but this. This started even before Dan. I mean, this rivalry is what got Dan Severn in the door.
1: Michael Coles was Stone Cold Steve Austin. Cole says, Taker, tonight, he says he's alone. Austin says, he's not afraid to cheap shot Taker, and that's all he's got to say. Interview over. Mankind's going to fight the outlaws on his own. Thankfully for Mankind, he got an easy night of work here, because uh, a couple pay-per-views ago, he had a really bad night. In a Hell in a Cell match, and last month he had to work a main event again, and uh, so he got a proper night of rest here in this match. As uh, Mick Foley, per Mick Foley standards, did not do (laughs) much in this match. Outlaws come out. No uh, big intro for the Outlaws here, just kind of uh, standard. They bring out the dumpster, though, of course. Reminding us of WrestleMania 14, the dumpster match. It's no holds barred, falls count anywhere, whatever, go for it. Mankind smacks them with the silver platter. We get light ECW chance. Gun and Mankind have a chair joust, which I always love. <laughs> so believable. And then Road Dog just takes it away from Mankind. Then they stomp Mankind down in the corner. The Outlaws bring the dumpster to ringside. Mankind takes multiple uh, baking sheet shots from the Outlaws. Then Mankind runs a knee into Road Dog with a baking sheet. Mankind hits a swinging neckbreaker to Gunn for a near fall near the dumpster. The outlaws slam him into the dumpster. They bring a table into the ring. They put a table in the corner, but Billy Gunn ends up running through it. Double-team neckbreaker to Mankind for a two-count. They sit up two chairs, powerbomb Mankind through it. Only two counts for Mankind here. He's unbreakable. A double-team spike pile driver on the belt. This finally does it, though. One, two, three, and the outlaws have taken the belts from Mankind. Road Dog says, cut the music. And then he does his intro where he introduces the new tag team champions. They stuff Mankind in the dumpster where (gasps) Kane was in the dumpster all along. Glenn Jacobs, the mayor of Knox County, was just sitting in a dumpster all night waiting for... A lot of presumption went into Kane's strategy here. He had to presume that the outlaws would use the dumpster, picked the correct dumpster, then sat in it all day, just for this moment. Well, not all day, because he somehow or another snuck out long enough to get the sledgehammer. All right. With mankind in the dumpster, out of view, Cain uses the sledgehammer to, I guess, lead us to believe, kill mankind in the dumpster. (laughs) And the outlaws run away. And then Cain takes the dumpster and mankind away as well and this was mankind's face turn here this is how you turn him face you just kill practically him. kill a man yeah but like i said for a typical mcfoley match this was light light duty for him tonight and oh god it needed to be it could have been so much worse and yeah. when when i saw that this was a handicap match against him because it's been a while since i've seen this show I was like, "Oh no, we're in for this. Is gonna just be a beating." And I mean, they did, you know, like a spike pile driver on a belt looks great, but it's safe. Like it's not.
2: Yeah, I think the most he took was uh, the cookie sheet shots. Well, the the power bomb
1: through the chairs didn't look too pleasant.
2: No, and like I said, the cookie sheet shots to the uh,
1: to the head were pretty pretty ugly. Promo video for Triple H and Rock's ladder match. This IC belt. Very important to Triple H. He wants it so bad. And we get Chris Warren doing another live DX intro for Triple H. Are you ready? Oh, still sucks live. He was Jim. Johnst- he
2: was stoned out of his
1: mind, man. Jim Johnston was not his guitarist for tonight, as I guess after WrestleMania 14, Jim said, Nah, eh, I'm not gonna play. Yeah with he him. was. Oh he was again? Yes. In the ring. Go back and watch. Oh. He is on the left side of the ring. <laughs> So the DX band is back, ladies and gentlemen. So they have a whole thing. They have the whole concert in the ring for the DX theme song. Triple H even puts Chris Warren on his shoulders, which is funny because Triple H hated the Chris Warren theme song that he got, My Time. He hated My Time. So it's just funny looking back at it now. Like, Why did he, he hate My Time, really? He just fucking hated it. Like He talked about it. I didn't know this. I think it was... I love that song. I forget which. It was maybe an interview he did with Howard Stern or some radio program back in the day. Like, right before he switched to his Motorhead theme, he said, yeah, I'm not too crazy about our theme song, but I'm working on it. Like, he was, yeah, he fucking shit on My Time, even though I think My Time's a great theme song. I think it's the best he's had. (laughs) I really do. You don't like the game? No. I think the game, at this point, the game is just, so old like right
2: that's for me my time is always been it for me
1: because i was like dude that's a great song well i even liked before it had lyrics it was just the instrumental of it i thought was really cool but then like when it had lyrics i liked it even though the lyrics of it i have to read you some of the lyrics of my time for triple h because it's pretty funny because it makes zero sense one two is this on ha yo Jimmy hit me with that triple H yeah you let the music keep playing Mr. Dunn gotta tell me whose time it is now y'all kicking it up in here it's our time yo here comes trouble not gonna listen to anybody tell me who and what to be not trying to be like everybody time for playing ain't for me because I lead the blind the blind lead the blind my time our time my time is starting my time my time my time we're not looking back we've had enough you don't know what trouble is the game of politics sissy stuff one time all these rules and your stupid rules i've had enough of this all your stupid rules you keep your finger off the switch done all your stupid rules <laughs> and that, that is the entire song yes lyric wise yeah you let the music keep playing mr Dunn. shout out to kevin dunn in this it song is. i didn't realize that so
2: and th- twice
1: yeah Keep your finger off the switch, Dunn.
2: There you go. I guess that's the censor switch
1: there, so he doesn't get censored. I like that song. I do, too. I think it's better than the game. I actually like King of Kings better than the game. Really? But he doesn't come out to that unless he's in corporate mode. The Rock is out with Mark Henry and poses on the ladder on the entryway. As this was before the time of ladder matches when you needed a million ladders. This was still back in the good old days when... One. That's all you fucking need. That's all you need. A well-built one, by the way. That's all you need. Well, two comes into play. Well, yeah, I know. They bring in another one. That's because they damn near break the first one, though. But that's all you need. I don't like all these aluminum shitty ladders and they put 300 of them in there for a ladder match.
2: Oh yeah, because while it looks awesome to for a ladder to snap cuz somebody hit it, you're 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 a suspicion of disbelief kind of person and you have said that numerous times on here. I slam you on a metal ladder. That shit's not breaking.
1: Well, right. No, but not only that, I think just visually with ladders littering the ring, like, make people go get weapons. Make people work. I just don't like having a million ladders. Just right there. Where or the s- multiple size ones. Like, oh, we have a 36-footer. Well, why wouldn't you grab that first? Because yeah. that's going to get you to the belt Fastest. Like, I don't have
2: to climb to. The, I don't have to stand on it to reach. I can <laughs> yeah. just climb and I'm like
1: halfway hey, up there. Or there, the yeah. short ladder that. Or like when Hornswoggle has the his step stool. Yeah. Like uh, I just fucking hate that <laughs> shit. This is the way ladder matches. Should I'll,
2: I do like uh, Stardust. His polka dotted. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Four
1: Dusty. They start brawling in the ring. Hunter hits his signature knee. Rock bottom gets blocked, pedigree gets blocked, Hunter gets back, body dropped out of the ring. They brawl in the aisleway where the ladder still is. They get back in the ring, Triple H hits a high knee, Hunter goes to get the ladder, but Rock stops him. Rock grabs the ladder, sets it against the ring, then whips Hunter into it and clotheslines him off the rebound. Rock sets the ladder up in the ring. Pet peeve of mine, though. I said on our last show that dialing a phone on live TV is the hardest thing to do. No, climbing a ladder on live TV is the hardest thing to do, because these guys are so... slow. One. Two. I just... I'm so tired, uh, bro. The match just started, and The Rock... I can't climb it. Yeah. These guys are in their top physical condition. They're in their mid-20s, and... They can't get past the third step for some reason. They're just so, so tired. It's exhausting. It's like climbing Mount Everest. Rock goes for the belt, but of course, Hunter hits a top turnbuckle clothesline to stop him. Then the ladder falls on Hunter, which looked like it sucked. <laughs> that really looked painful, by the way. It actually hit him square in the shoulder blade. Hunter hits Rock a couple times with the ladder, then climbs it, but of course, Rock stops and pulls on his injured leg that he had hurt on heat rock focuses on the bad leg he sandwiches in the ladder and stomps it then he smacks it with a chair he takes hunter outside smashes his knee in the ladder then the rock takes the ladder back into the ring sets it up goes for the belt again but hunter just shoves him off they brawl out of the ring and rock catapults hunter into the ladder rock was going to smash hunter with the ladder in the aisle way but hunter stops him with a kick hunter wants a pedigree to rock on the ladder in the aisle way but he gets back body dropped instead mark henry brings out ladder number two Rock goes for the belt again on the original ladder. Hunter shoves the rock off the ladder and out of the ring. Hunter baseball slides the ladder into Rock's face, which looked like it sucked. Rock does color from this, so he's bleeding. Hunter goes for the belt, but Rock stops him. Rock mounts a ladder across the corner ropes, and then DDTs Hunter. Rock goes for the belt again, but Hunter stops him again, and the crowd loves it at this point, all these near finishes. Rock charges at Hunter with the ladder, but Hunter chair shots Rock, who's holding the ladder, And then Hunter lays in a few more chair shots to stop him. Rock scoop slams Hunter on the ladder, lands the people's elbow with Hunter on the ladder, which is laying in the ring. But then Hunter goes for the title, leaps off to attack the Rock, and leaps right into a Rock bottom. But both men are out. They're exhausted. When they get back up, Hunter pedigrees Rock. They both climb the ladder in duel. And China, the difference maker. As Triple H had taken Mark Henry out earlier, China low blows Rock, the people's grapefruits were smashed, and Rock goes to the ground. Hunter grabs the belt, and congrats. He is the intercontinental champion, and he would have to relinquish this title shortly thereafter because of an actual injury. And uh, Really? The, yeah. The Rock would go on to then headline WrestleMania 15. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, both men heading in different directions here.
2: Well, he was at WrestleMania 15, Triple H. He was.
1: He was healed up by then, but he had to for a while, and then so X-Pac ended up pretty much assuming the role of leader of DX. He had a legitimate knee injury, so he had to forfeit the title. Triple H won it here at SummerSlam and then had to vacate it on October 9th, and Ken Shamrock won it October 12th. And yeah, you're right. Uh, That set up the Val Venus feud over ryan shamrock so, yeah there you go and then somehow or another she fell in love
2: with gold dust and then someone else hell i don't remember and it became a fatal four-way
1: yeah there was a tournament to crown the new ic champion after this and it came down to shamrock and x pac and x pac lost he got a wwf title match so capital carnage took place december 6th so this was after survivor series so the rock had been champion for two weeks yeah His first defense on a pay-per-view, but this was a UK-only pay-per-view, took on X-Pac. That's right. X-Pac took on The Rock. That wasn't the announced match, and Vince did the heel thing and came out and said, card subject to change, guess what? You're getting X-Pac versus The Rock. Because he (laughs) was his corporate champion. Yeah,
2: it was probably going to be like Austin or someone.
1: Yeah, they swapped out Triple H. They bait and switched you, and... uh, swapped out <laughs> so Sean Walton had a world title shot in 1998
2: good god can you imagine if he went in for business went into business for himself and won the WWE well he'd be
1: fired on the spot they'd just since that was a UK only show they nope. could they had never existed yeah you know? social media didn't really dial up still cool man we get some Coliseum Home Video exclusive footage where The Rock he, he's such a man he refuses medical help and then cuts a promo on Triple H which is funny because the rock would be having a very short lived face turn not long after this to set up the heel turn at Survivor Series. So this wasn't revisited and Triple H had the injury, so his face turn was so short lived. I rewatched all those 98 raws like a year or two ago. It was like I swear it was like 3 weeks. And really? it was like with little explanation. And that he had a one night only like face version of his theme song. Cause like he he left the nation, right? So he didn't want to play the nation. He was facing someone in the nation, so they put a completely different track under. Like, do you smell what the rock is cooking? It was bizarre. Cause he was a good guy for three weeks or whatever. The highway to hell ends soon. Jr. and King say if Kane doesn't get involved, this should be a classic. Sadly, um, guys, doesn't matter if Kane gets involved. This was not a classic. Sorry. Really? Whoa, whoa. I hate to say it. I hate to say it. I really. Love, I love both of these guys, but not a classic. I don't know what was going on, but they just didn't have any chemistry. Oh, I'll tell you what's going on. Austin got his damn lights knocked out. Yeah, when he ran his head into Undertaker's head, he knocked himself out. Taker's out to my favorite theme song of his, the guitar theme. But he's lost his teardrop. He's no longer crying over Kane. Austin comes out to a big reaction, and he gets another glass-shattering entrance. One that's forgotten about, I think. Everyone thinks the King of the Ring glass shatter, but yeah. this one was it was okay. Austin jaws at Taker, probably saying a lot of F-words. Austin Taker then exchange strikes in the corner. By the way, all throughout this match, you can just hear them calling spots. Uh, just crank up your volume and enjoy the nice conversation between the two of these guys. They mic'd, they mic'd the ring, just so we're well, clear. But Austin is partially deaf in one ear, so he shouts spots anyway, so that made it worse. Really? I didn't know that either. Yeah, he can't hear for shit. Austin and Taker exchange strikes in the corner, clothesline from Taker and a near fall. Austin shoots two birds at him for that one. Austin inside cradles Taker for two, then he works over Taker's arm. Austin here inadvertently headbutts himself on Taker and just falls flat over. You're right. He knocked knocked himself? himself out. That sucks. And, and he A com- guy that already had neck problems. And
2: he comes to, I, I love this story, he comes to and Earl, he looks at Earl because Earl's leaning over on him and he's like, where am I at? He said, you're in the garden, kid. And he's like, what? And he goes, yeah, here comes Taker. And
1: Taker just picks his ass off the mat. Yeah, Taker picks him up, <laughs> suplexes him, drops an elbow. Austin tries to the Thez press but misses Taker hits him with the stun gun, His own he's using his own move against him here, gets a near fall. Taker stomps him down in the corner again, Austin rolls out of the ring, trying to regroup, but then just smacks Taker's leg against the post, trying to take the big man off his feet. Austin comes back in the ring, Taker hits his flying clothesline, followed by a blatant choke. Taker tries old school on Austin, but Austin just pulls him off the ropes before he can do it. He decides to focus on that knee of the Undertaker and hit it against the post again. Kane finally walks out. Are they in cahoots? No.
2: Go to the pack. I got this.
1: Take I her got sh- this. Shoes him away, and he just sleeves the big red machine this monster from hell he had the easiest night he of had work. the best payday of, of everyone definitely he yeah austin goes outside the ring to make sure kane left he did there's a gate right there you can see through it <laughs> taker choke slams him back into the ring austin clotheslines taker out of the ring they brawl around the ring they brawl through the crowd taker back body drops austin in the middle of the crowd and then on the way back, we get a glimpse of Vlad the Superfan, who's at ringside. This guy's in like a million pay-per-views. Really? Yeah. Yeah, Vladimir the Superfan. Like, he's in just all sorts of, like, early Raw. <laughs> like, he's everywhere. Like, he does... He even showed up at One nice Stand. Yeah, Vlad the Superfan. All right. Yeah, so that's, that's Vladimir the Superfan. They get back in the ring. Taker dodges a stunner and bails outside. He's like the old version of, like, Brock Lesnar shirt guy who's at everything or Frank the Clown who's at everything now. He catches Austin from the ring apron, rams him into the post. Austin gets back in the ring and brawls with Taker, but Taker throws him out of the ring, and Austin here fucks up his chin, man, trying to catch himself, getting flung out of the ring, and for a guy that just knocked himself out fucking did more damage to himself here as he fucking caught his chin and then his back on the ring apron trying to catch himself. I mean, he had to try to stop himself because he was going so fast that he was going to get flung into the announcer table had he not tried to stop himself, but by doing this, it it just sucked. This looked (laughs) like it really sucked. So Austin's doing more damage to himself than Taker is tonight. Austin gets laid on the Spanish announcer table and Taker... Climbs to the top. Oh, no. I've got a bad feeling about this one, guys. The Undertaker. (laughs) Yes, a man not Six
2: foot ten, flies from the top turnbuckle to the announce table and hits a leg drop on Stone Cold Steve
1: Austin, and the table didn't break. Well, they sort of just slide right off of it, and that sucks. And so the table, Table of Japan, does not break. That had to hurt his back and hips like crazy, smacking that thing, and no give whatsoever. Yeah, that really sucked for both of them. (laughs) Taker rolls Austin in for a two-count. Taker misses a stinger splash and eats a boot from Austin. They close on each other. Both men are down. Austin beats Taker to his feet, throws more rights and a chop. Austin lands the Thez press and punches, followed with the middle finger elbow drop that he does. Austin looks for a stunner, but he fucks it up and... Him and Taker fucked this up, and they ram heads again. Taker just... Austin is just damaging his head over and over tonight as this was botched, whatever they were going for. Austin just covers for an ear fall to try to clean it up. We get a choke slam from Taker. Taker calls for the tombstone. Austin, though, just slips out, looks for a stunner, but Taker crotches him on the ropes instead, hits a Russian leg sweep. Taker goes for old school again. Didn't work for the first time. Why would it work now? It doesn't. Austin, the dirty heel, low blows him as he dives off the ropes, hits the stunner, one, two, three, and Austin survives the gravest challenge and retains the belt, but not before Taker can grab the belt. Uh-oh. Look at it. Is he going to deck Austin? Uh-oh. Is Kane going to run out? Or are they just going to beat Austin to a bloody pulp? Uh-oh. No. They have the respect spot. He hands it to him. Shake hands, brother. And then Kane comes out and joins his brother, Bod, reunite in the aisleway. They stare at Austin celebrating. And then they walk away. A sign of things to come. Oh, man. But there we go. Um, very punchy-kicky for me for a main <laughs> event. And um, even, <laughs> even if Austin had not knocked himself out, I say this about Undertaker a lot. I don't think he had his best matches until later in his career. And a lot of Undertaker matches were punch kick. And Austin was just punch kick too, for the most part. He had yeah. an intensity to it. Yeah. Taker more methodical with his. So I don't think this had any chance of being a great match. But they were two very popular wrestlers. So it didn't really matter what. I mean, they did 700,000 buys. Just to see these guys. And the storyline I thought was really weak, as I mentioned at the last pay per view that we saw them do. At Fully Loaded, I thought the storyline was weak there. Didn't get any stronger with the, was Kane working with him or not? But fuck, man, wrestling was so hot, it didn't matter. Yeah. And these two guys were the two top stars in the company, and that's going to draw. Doesn't matter how weak or strong the storyline is. So. We would go on to. The start of next year,
2: having British Bulldog get rock bottomed into dog poop. So I mean that that is that is how hot wrestling was that you could actually do something like
1: that and get a crowd reaction like crazy like it did. A good thing here though is that they had they had a star in the making with The Rock, so they had the next contender ready to go. Like, it's true, and that's that's the thing that's the most key part of this
2: is with the Monday Night Wars. That's the biggest key part, is you could see them building. Looking back, 95, 96. Yeah, if we can just hang on and get established with some of these kids. 97, the tide's rolling their direction. Ninety-eight, Man, you're starting to see rock. You're starting to see kind of breakout of Austin. You're starting to see the breakout of Triple H. 99, they're wide the hell open. 2000,
1: fuck, they're gone. I mean, it was like a damn sprint race. They were gone. And, um, and in 2000 with the influx of the Radicals and 99 getting Jericho. and Yeah, just,
2: you were going on to bigger and better things.
1: Even the mid-card guys, everybody was able to get... Even a mid-card guy like Val Venus was over for a short time. Yeah. Like even even the lower card guys were still getting... Rea- the oddities were getting reacted.
2: D'Lo, who's a heel, was getting chanted like
1: crazy. I thought D'Lo... I was really impressed by him tonight. And yeah. I think... I still say, I mean, it's unfortunate what happened. We all know what happened. But, like, he could have been... I think he could have held the world title especially yeah. in the two title era definitely thought he was good on the mic he was funny he, he pretty good in the ring had a good move set like yeah. just didn't didn't work out but um yeah, they had a lot of stars in development, and then they had a star that they didn't realize they had in Mick Foley that they could also utilize. So, saying that, in the summer of '98, Goldberg is WCW's champion. So, at least there's some glimmer of hope there that maybe they, they'll do the right thing and, you know, push different guys, but they just couldn't help themselves wcw could not be helped what'd you think of highway to hell summerslam 98 overall patrick awesome oh it's a very memorable show i think this is one rare case where i don't think the main event was their showcase match usually the wwf pay-per-views the main event is the showcase and then the undercard is forgettable and so wcw had great undercards and terrible main events this wasn't a terrible main event but it just wasn't... They never really clicked. They never went next level in that main event for me, where you actually even bought that Undertaker was going to win. There was never even a near fall from Taker to Austin, even with that choke slam that I think anyone in Madison Square Garden bought. And that's not saying you need to do a million near falls, because I hate that shit too, but like... One, here or there. Yeah. You know, like two a match... Yeah, and I, I love the lines didn't match. God, dude, that is match of the night. I love the Delo match. I would cut Marrow and I would cut the oddities. And outside of that, I think you have a pretty strong show. The ladder match, if they didn't climb that ladder so damn slow, uh, <laughs> I would have more praise for it because... <laughs> These guys were fast. They were young. They could, I just, when they got to that ladder, it was like time stood still. It took a lot of time for things to set up. Um, so it was good. It was better than that that time limit bullshit finish. We got it fully loaded. So both the Rock and Triple H, you could see, were, were well on their way to, to being top guys. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely a, a must-watch for any WWF fan. Or any wrestling fan in general. I think it's if you could find an original copy too with the AC DC song and everything, I think would be awesome. Okay, so on our horns woggle to giant Gonzalez, or maybe giant silva scale. Maybe <laughs> we should change the scale. Where does this pay-per-view rank? Silva. A giant silva from you. Wow, that is high praise. I'm gonna give it a Kurgan. So With his beanie on, so oh man,
2: we're the same. We're the same then.
1: (laughs) Gonzalez is just like half an inch, two inches away. Big praise, but this also uh, this has a lot of nostalgia for me, so that weighs heavily into it because this is when I was all in in pro wrestling. No (laughs) pun intended. I, I this was this was my favorite time in pro wrestling, so that weighs heavily into it as well. So it's probably not quite a fair judgment.
2: So we need to thank Mommy Young for picking on Mother's Day for picking Highway to Hell.
1: Yes, and on her birthday as well. Yes, it was her birthday. Okay, so it's my pick, and coming up this week will be the 20th anniversary of Owen Hart's passing. And uh, I advise everyone to check out the post-wrestling profile of... Uh, The night that Owen Hart passed away, John Pollock put together this profile piece with people that were there, people's reaction to it, wrestling reporters. That's going to be a podcast. Look for it on the post-wrestling feed. Uh, That'll be out before this show is, so be sure to check that out. But my pick this week is my favorite Owen Hart match, and that's WrestleMania 10, Owen Hart versus Bret Hart. So WrestleMania 10, brother versus brother. Owen and Brett. And I know a lot of people think that their cage match is better, but I think this is the better match. Oh, between. this is a great match. And, I mean, you get the
2: return to the ring for one night only. Macho Man Randy Savage <laughs> taking on Crush. In oh, this the, is a really
1: good WrestleMania in general, anyway. But, yeah, but
2: that's the weirdest Falls Count Anywhere match. Oh, uh, yeah. is <laughs> like, jacked up. Um,. What else do we have? The ladder match. The ladder match, of course. We're returning to MSG for All another right. ladder
1: match. Yeah, a slightly better one uh, than Triple <laughs> H and The better. Rock. Just slightly. <laughs> slightly Slightly better. more talked about in yes. history. Um, what else do we have here? We have... Mr. America Lex Luger, of course. This was coming off the infamous... Brett and Lex went over the rope at the same time at Royal Rumble, so they both get a title shot tonight. That's right, and Piper's the referee. Yeah, and then there's one match, uh, per- Brett's match, Perfect is the referee. Perfect's
2: the referee, and then you have um, Bam Bam Bigelow and Luna Vachon taking on Doink <laughs> and Dink. Oh, man, match of the night. You've already spoiled it. And you got, oh, man, who? that is a great card.
1: That is, that is a really good card. That is going to be an awesome pay-per-view to cover. <laughs> so, that'll do it for this week. You can head over to powerslam.tv, use the promo code RETROWRESTLING, get a month for free, and we'll see you next week. I'm Intern Alex. I am the one and only, the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young. Saying, as always, my closing line's a clothesline. And Bingo, Banco.
0: One time, it was at the Highway to Hell pay-per-view in Madison Square Garden. Yeah, hey, me and Taker kind of talked, Undertaker. Yeah. They kind of talked about this little thing where, you know, maybe I'll get on the announce table and lay there, and you'll get on top of the cage and drop a leg on oh no, the top turnbuckle, because we're in the cage, top turnbuckle, and drop a leg on me. Yeah, from the uh, uh, top turnbuckle to, to, announce to table. the announce table. Yeah, so that's a bit. That's uh, uh, a bit. Yeah. It's a big bit, especially yeah. when it's just a leg drop and the way you're landing. Yep. They're different from, you know, a belly splash. Mm-hmm. And so, man, I said, okay, yeah, we'll do it and so <laughs> That's a, get very nasty. nice of you but here's the thing during the match the, the only time I'd ever been knocked out in my life no I had bent down to give him a backdrop and he kicked me well he was going to kick me but uh, no he bent down for a backdrop and I kicked him in the chest and when it straightened him up got you in the chin. he got me yeah, under the yeah. chin you can watch it back and so I got knocked out. He flagged, and Earl Hebner, one of my favorite referees of all time, yeah. he goes down. He looks down at me. And there's 20,000 people in the garden. We're on a pay-per-view. It's Summerslam. It's Highway to Hell. He goes. Goddamn, boy, you all right? <laughs> I, said, I said, where am I? He, he said, damn boy, you in the garden. <laughs> True story. I said, yeah, I'm all right. <laughs> I don't yeah. remember the rest of the match, yeah, yeah. but I do remember do the laying there. Yeah. I remember laying there on that damn announce table because we were to yeah. end with that. That's the only thing I remembered. Yeah. And I was like, man, shit, this going to be good. And all of a sudden, I see, <laughs> when you see a guy that's 6'10", 300, and he's on the top turnbuckle, he's going to come down. I was like, He's coming <laughs> so, so man I just kinda just yeah. you just you just give yourself up because you yeah, trust, you him, and, trust and, him and if you're gonna trust a guy him. To do that to you, yeah. you can you can pick no better guy to do it to you than the Undertaker. He's okay. he gonna yeah. take care of your ass? <laughs> yeah. and, and here's the thing: it's a calculated risk at both ends. Yeah. There ain't no guarantees right. on the backside. He can, he can you, you got can, the you best be intentions. You're giving a yeah. guy your body. He's taking your body. Going to take care of it for you. Right. But it is what it is. You both said, okay, whatever happens, happens.